0: I've been listening to a song written by um, Bruce Wilbur. And he talks about entering into the Holy of Holies. And as I let that thought move around in my mind, I thought about the great high priest and his preparations To go into the Holy of Holies. One time a year. The purification process. The sacrificial animals. The blood. The pomegranate bells on the bottom of his tunic. The rope around his ankle. To pull him out in case. He was not prepared. To be in the presence of God. So much work so much effort. And in Luke chapter 22, Nathan last week preached about this last Passover that Jesus is going to observe with his disciples, the first communion. And you think about all that pomp and circumstance And here the same Lord is reclining at a table with 12 men sharing wine and bread, washing their feet. What a contrast. And they ask this question Who is the greatest? It's not a question that is asked once. In fact, in the New Testament, we find at least five passages where they ask this question more than once. As I was preparing this week for this sermon, I was looking at church slogans. So imagine this banner out front of our church called to greatness. Sign me up for that, right? Called to greatness. Another slogan gathering of shepherds. Here's one you might be a little familiar with gathering of shepherds, make the church great again. Perhaps it should say, make the church humble. Again, the story of two women familiar with one another, acquaintances, run into one another in the shopping mall. The one woman says to the other, she said, I've been working on this issue of humility for three weeks now. And she had all these shopping bags with her. And she said, I decided to be good to myself since I'm doing so well. (laughs) And the other woman looked at her and said, well, I bet you're proud of yourself, aren't you? And she responded by saying, well, yes, I am. I think she has some more work to do, yes? So here in this text, or this question, who is the greatest? As I moved through this in my mind and and through Scripture, it took me all the way back to the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I want to share it with you because I think it's relevant to the human condition as it relates to the issue of humility. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden... God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God. What a temptation. What a temptation. Wrapped up, I think, in that question, who is the greatest? Like God. We know that instead of being like God, sin takes hold of them, changes their nature from one of righteousness to a nature that seeks self glorification that seeks self promotion that seeks self image to seeks self esteem and this last one pride who is the greatest at least 5 new testament references to this question, Matthew 18, 1, And I will read it. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How can we even ask that question? Who can compete with Abraham and Moses and Isaac and Jacob? John, amazing. Then all those that are not recorded in Scripture, the no names, right? There are probably some no names we can't contend with or compete with with regard to the issue of humility. We see it again in Mark chapter 10. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Wow. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant that we may sit one on your right, and one on your left. In your glory. Now Matthew twenty twenty records the same incident, but in Matthew twenty twenty, it is not John or James asking the question. It is their mother. <clears throat> Jesus says to them, her included. You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? And they said to him, We are able. Wow. We are able. Lord, help me to do the things you've asked me to do. And forgive me for thinking I have the ability to do more. He said to them, My cup you shall drink. But to sit at my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared by the Father. By the Father. We see the same question, the same argument in Luke chapter 9. Remember, we're here in Luke 22. An argument starts among them as to which of them might be the greatest. And just in a few verses back, Jesus says... You unbelieving and perverted generation or twisted generation. Now he's talking to others, not talking to his disciples, but that's the condition of the generation. Unbelieving and perverted. Perverted, meaning crooked. We can get crooked. Most sins are a twisted or a twisting of some virtue or some aspiration. Everyone wants their lives to count for the right things, for the right reasons. But envy and jealousy creeps in. Greatness, in human terms, comes at the expense of other people. Think about that. We work hard to get ahead, do we not? Sometimes that means stepping on people. I pray that's not true of us as believers. Verse 24 of our text, and you can turn there in your Bibles, Luke 22, beginning in verse 24. And so here we see the same question. This is the fifth time. And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be greatest. Little or no understanding of the kingdom of God, yes? And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, those who have authority over them are called benefactors. Their intent was to portray themselves as champions of their people. But by their nature, they were ruthless tyrants. Makes me wonder if there are any champions at all today. When I look east to Washington, when I look north to Sacramento, Or even here in our county and city. There are few champions today. But I suspect that most, if any at all, are born again. But he says in verse 26, but it is not this way with you. It is not this way with you but the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. Childlike, but not childish. A servant. And he asked this question, for who is greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not The one who reclines at the table. But he says this of himself. But I am among you as the one who serves. Our example. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8. Have this attitude in yourselves. I want to repeat that. Have this attitude in yourselves. Which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he what? He humbled himself. By becoming obedient. Want to measure your humility? How, 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 how obedient are you? See, I can't even say the word. How obedient are you? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He continues in the text, verse 28. You are those who have stood by me in trials, in my trials. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. What a promise. What a promise. An earthly kingdom, yes, but the millennial millennial kingdom that's promised in Revelations. It would not come in the timing or manner that they had hoped. Tribulation believers, along with Old Testament and New Testament saints, will reign with Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 and 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2 says this, The saying is trustworthy, For if we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Peter may have been a part of this argument. Jesus addresses him in verses 31 and following. If you'll remember the text, Scripture said that Jesus renamed him, called him Peter, but his name was Simon. We often call him Simon Peter. But Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Jesus says, that your faith may not fail. Now talk about being in control and command of what is going on and seeing what's coming down the road. Listen to this next part. When once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew Peter was going to fail. Does Satan sift him like wheat? Certainly a different Peter we find in Acts chapter 2. Yes? Sifting can be a good thing. I think Satan has a different purpose in mind when he sifts us. But God is sovereign. And he loves us. And he will use the sifting to change us and to make us better than we are. I think it's what happens with Peter, but he has to go through this trial. Nobody wants them. I don't. So here's a question for you. Will you allow God to sift you? To make you better? However, means He decides to use to do that. So here the text says in verse 31 Simon, Simon. Behold, God has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And he does just that. But Peter said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. Not really. Right? Not really. He denies him. He denies him three times. Verse 34, and he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me three times that you know me. But on the other side of the resurrection, Peter was a different man. Commentator says that Jesus may have used Simon Simon in this text as a rebuke to Peter or to intensify his rebuke over Peter's overconfidence in himself. Overconfidence may just look like a lack of humility. Right? But listen to what Peter writes later. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 4 through 8. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He might exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. He's going to take care of us. He has said He would, and He will. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Continuing the text, verse 35, and he said to them, when I sent you out without money belt or bag or sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? And they said, no, nothing. Luke 9 records that Jesus sent them out previously in pairs to preach the kingdom of God and to bring healing to those That were suffering, and they lacked nothing. And he told them, Take nothing with you. But now he says in the text, And he said to them, But now whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise also a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and to buy one. For I tell you that this which is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For that which refers to me has its fulfillment. And they said, Look, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. Done discussing this. The argument about who is the greatest was fracturing their unity. Can you imagine? They were a team. They were one. They had been called. They had been commissioned. They had been commanded and empowered. So are you. So are you. And so am I. Who is the greatest? How will you answer the question for yourself? I think there's only one answer Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Perhaps we ought to write that question down and keep it in our pocket and read it every day so that our response is always Jesus 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 By being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself Proverbs 15:32 says this He who neglects discipline despises himself But he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, for wisdom. And I love this last part. And before honor comes humility. Before honor comes humility. Say we need not fear or fret about the future. God is going to honor us as his children. Those are his promises. And he will keep his promises. But before honor comes humility. How can we begin to master being humble? What a crazy question. I don't think you can ever stop working at being humble. I've been thinking about this all week. God in his timing. It's perfect, right? Yeah. Maybe it would have been easier to preach the Lord's Supper and the Passover last week than this. Because the subject of humility touches us all. Are you grateful for the things that he's given you? Are you stuck with the idea that you've earned it? Are we guilty of wanting more and not content with what we have? Here are some thoughts on this issue of humility. How can we, make, how can we master being humble is the question. I think the answers are too simple, but it gives us a place to start Make others feel appreciated. Make others feel appreciated. Redirect praise that comes your way. Give it away. Give it to someone else. Don't be first. Don't be first. I told the first service this last one I might not have to speak because Nancy's here this morning don't be right we've been married 49 years and I would say that we love to argue still and I love to be right ask her But life isn't about winning, is it? It shouldn't be, because Christ has already won the battle for us. The real question is, can we get to a place of humility where we imitate Christ in our lives and in our relationships with each other? Can we stop walking on one another and over one another and bruising one another and families? Or does the church have to look like the outside? Humility leads to gentleness and meekness. Meekness is not weakness. It is strength under control. We need to grasp that. See, we're not losers. Nobody is a loser who puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And God will honor us all. And He has gifted us for service, He is our example. What are your spiritual gifts? And if he's given them to you, and I submit to you that the Word of God says he has, then what are they and what are you doing with them? We come to the body of Christ not to be served, but to serve. And when we're served, it's a blessing. Power to use, to build up rather than to tear down. Pray for the right attitude toward this subject of humility. And I want to end with this set of verses out of First John, First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. "Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world. The love of the Father is not in him. Wow. Let me repeat that. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, is not is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah, you're going to get out early today. Give you another 10 minutes to think about humility, right? (laughs) Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning we come to you as your children, Lord. And immediately, Lord, we ask your forgiveness for our pride, Lord, and our lack of humility, for looking too much, Lord. Like the world. Lord, we don't know where to start except to submit. If I went home today, Lord, and decided, well, how I would start, I don't know that I could. We need your help. Lord, conform us to your image. Get this idea, Lord, that there is any greatness in us but you. Help us, Lord, in your command to love you with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. Lord, help us to love one another as you've called us to. Lord, forgive us like these disciples who sought greatness. Lord, we just pray that you'd use our hands and our feet to bring glory to you and leave the rest in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.